Will you turn with me in a, a Bible or your copy of God's Word to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, and we will begin at verse 24 today. Remember, as we hear these individual stories, that these are more than just Jesus' interaction with one person or a group of people. This is Jesus showing his disciples how to be how to be lovers of God. How to be God's people, how to do the things that God wants us to do, and it's not just because it's convenient if we do those things for God. It's because God tells us the ways that we should love one another. Sometimes we confuse the commandments of God with overly restrictive rules or something else. When Jesus summarizes God's commands in this simple way. He says all of the law can be summarized by these two commands. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. Easier said than done, and that's what the rest of the Bible is about, is telling the story of what happens when we fail to do that, to do those very things. Verse 24 says, And there, excuse me, from there Jesus arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard of him, came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. And then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. The grass withers and the flower falls, prophet Isaiah tells us. But the word of God stands forever. You pray with me.
Our loving Father and giver of life, will you now open our eyes to see and our ears to, to hear truths that are bigger than our own understanding, our own capacity. Because you have given us this word. And you also give us your Holy Spirit. It changes our lives and changes our minds. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage would be a lot easier if the woman had initiated calling herself a dog rather than Jesus. But not? How could this be that Jesus would seem at first, at least, to be not only racist, but completely insensitive to the feelings of a woman in grief. I mean, we live in a town, a part of town here in particular in South Park, and many of you in San Diego that loves, we love dogs. People would do amazing things for their pet dogs. They don't just eat the crumbs from under their table. They sleep with them in their beds. They pay huge sums of money to have the dogs treated at the vet. But I bet almost every one of those people, if you called them a dog, male or female, would take offense to the comparison. No difference in Jesus' day than ours. This isn't like the story of Jesus initiate or calling uh, a hurting woman woman, which sounds sort of harsh, but really that's just a cultural difference because the term in Jesus' time was a very empathetic kind of term. This, this has no mistake. It is an offensive affront to this woman for Jesus to refer to her as a dog. Why does he do it? Well, it's a reference to her Gentile heritage. It's very clear by the story that she's a Syrophoenician by birth. Jesus now has left the region that's traditionally Israel, traditionally inhabited by the Jews, and he's gone over to the coast on the sea, the Mediterranean Sea, and he's in a region that is today sort of Lebanon, which in that time was called Phoenicia and also the region of Syria, which we get the name Syro-Phoenician. He's outside of Jewish territory. This woman is a Gentile by birth and not a believer in the Jewish God. And the Jews, most of them anyway, considered the Gentiles no better than animals. Now Mark's not clear here that the disciples are with Jesus at this point, but Matthew tells the same story with some different details, and it's very clear that the disciples are there, and so Jesus is going into this house with his disciples, and he's still in the process of teaching them.
And the story leaves you grasping for straws and grasping for some sense of compassion that Jesus has for this woman. And in the knowledge that this woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician, hated by most of the Jewish culture, you see Jesus' compassion showed to this woman. You see, most Jews would not even enter into the house of a Gentile. Most Jews would consider themselves unclean. The language of the spirit being unclean, I don't think is an accident here. It's not an evil spirit. It's not a sickness. It's an unclean spirit because just to touch the woman would have made him unclean, much less to go into her house and touch all of her surroundings. And this woman knew her place in relation to the Jewish culture. And yet she knew enough about Jesus to come and to see if he might be willing to help her. And by going into the house, Jesus was saying, not just to this woman, but an entire watching, surrounding Gentile culture, that he was willing to enter into these places. There's a sociologist named Brene Brown, who's becoming fairly well known now. She's a professor of sociology. She has a a video and some teaching on the difference between empathy and sympathy. And she makes the point that empathy has this effect of fueling a, a connection. While sympathy oftentimes drives disconnection. She quotes another scholar, a nursing scholar, studied a lot of different professions and what makes a person empathetic versus merely sympathetic. This woman, Teresa Wiseman, says, well, there are four key differences that she's observed with between empathy and sympathy. The first one is a a perspective taking, of looking around, of knowing the person who is hurting around you and understanding, thinking about what it is to be in their shoes. The second one is to hold off or stay out of a position of judgment until you understand something more of the circumstance. She says... We, we have a really hard time with that. We love to hear somebody's problems and immediately think why their problems have ensued. Third one, as he says, is recognizing emotion in other people, understanding, listening to them and where their feelings are leading them. And then the fourth one, maybe most importantly, is communicating it back to them. She compares empathy with sympathy of a person being in a hole in their suffering, in their their difficult circumstance. And empathy is like entering into a sacred space with that person. Climbing down into the hole with that person. Whereas sympathy tends to be like standing at the top of the hole and shouting down into it. I see you're having a problem. 
You're not the first, not the last. She says, rarely does an empathetic response begin with something like, well, at least you're not going through this. Don't we love at least statements? At least it could be worse. Having marriage problems, she says, well, at least you're married. Problems with your kids, well, at least you have kids. Jesus never gives at least statements when somebody's suffering and hurting around him. Jesus is teaching his disciples, like us as his disciples, how to enter into the holes in people's lives with empathy. And just by entering into that house, that Gentile, unclean house, Jesus is entering into a hole. It says that he was trying to escape from the crowd, but he was entering into a whole number of other problems. But the problems weren't so much for him as they were about what other people would think about him. What other Jews would think about him. Now you remember last week what we said about Jesus teaching his disciples. What did he teach him? He said, it's not what goes into a person that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of the person that makes a person unclean. And this evidently was a difficult thing for the disciples to learn because Matthew tells us that the disciples, when they saw this Syrophoenician woman coming to Jesus, they said, send her away. Send her away. Maybe it was because she was unclean. Maybe it was because they were wanting some rest. I'm not really sure why, but they say, send her away. And Jesus says, no, let her come here. And almost entering into a dialogue to show, to reveal the ignorance of such a concept that the Jewish people had, that the Gentiles themselves were dogs and not made in the image of God, Jesus raises the level of the dialogue and he says, look, let the children be first fed first. Why should I throw this to the dogs? There's no reason to think that Jesus actually meant this as an insult to the woman, but rather an insult to his disciples and the Jewish people who had somehow gotten to the place in their relationship with God or their lack of relationship with God as to think of those who were outside of the congregation, outside of the church, as no better than animals. Who don't deserve any compassion. We got our own problems in the church. Why should I care about those from outside the church? But this woman says, look, even the dogs eat the bread from the table as a clear reference to the theme of bread going all throughout that we've been looking at. And it's not just physical bread that Jesus is talking about. John in his gospel goes on and on about Jesus being the bread of life, a whole bread dialogue. 
and Mark does it, it's not quite as obvious, but story after story after story here is talking about bread and feeding people with bread and people eating bread. And so Jesus is not just talking about bread from the table, He's talking about Himself being the ultimate bread that people need. And this woman is starting to get it perhaps even sooner than His disciples and says, look, even the dogs get some blessing from that bread when it falls from the table. Whether the family meant to feed it to Him or not, I'll take some of that bread however I can get it, whether I have to pick it up off the floor or whether I'm invited to the feast, this woman says, I just need that bread because in that bread, I've been hearing it from all over the region, in that bread there is life. In that bread there is healing. In that bread there is renewing of life and ascending out of spirits and and all kinds of good things. And Jesus, almost thanking her for teaching His disciples, says for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. Now in this passage, in this great compassion, Mark is unfolding a whole new chapter in God's mission to the nations. And sometimes we think that God's mission to the nations, His bringing His blessing to the nations, started with Jesus and it was a hard lesson to learn. And before that, the the blessing was just for the Jewish people. And it's easy to think that because one of their key mistakes over and over was a hoarding of God's blessings. And a looking on those blessings as a reason to look down on others. God loves me more than He loves you. A spoiled child might say to another child. But that story that we started to look at earlier of God making Adam and Eve after His own image very different than animals. Very specifically different from the capacity of animals. Animals can have and express certain emotions toward people in some sense, but animals do not have the type of knowledge that God gave to human beings. Animals, even in their deepest places, can't relate with people like human beings can to one another and with God. And that story goes on with the fall that we looked at, but then it comes to a unique place in Genesis chapter 12 where God comes to one particular man and his wife, Abram and Sarai. And he calls this couple to himself and says, I'm going to make you into a great nation, a whole group of people, and I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to cordon you off from the rest of the people of the world so that I can keep blessing you and keep hating everybody else. Is that what he says? 
Is that sometimes how we act as a church? Sometimes how you feel when other people outside frustrate you? But he says very specifically in Genesis 12, chapter 12, verse 3, I will bless you, and through you I will bless all peoples, all families, all nations. You have a unique blessing, but it is never to be held in. It is so that through you I will bless all of the nations. And this beginning of calling Abraham and Sarah, their new names after God calls them, goes all the way through the story of redemption that's told in the Bible and is fulfilled in the book of Revelation as we see in chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, that they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, speaking of Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them. Now right now he's talking about us, the church. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. You get that? As people of God, as God's family, we are priests and we are kings. Priests and kings. Kings reign. They have dominion. Not for their own selfish benefit, but for the benefit of those that they rule over. If anybody tells you God gave us dominion over the animals so we can do with them what they want, they've misunderstood what God gave them dominion to do. It was to care for those animals. Some of them were for food. But still, there is a proper caring for the plants and the animals and people that are in our charge, in our care, children, other people who may be under our responsibility. That's the ruling kingly aspect, but also priests had a very specific function, and that was to be mediators between God and people. Those people who are far from God, who need to know that God has given a message to the people, and that message is not just do these things and God will love you. That message is God loves you. That message is God loves you so much that He gives Himself to you and for you. He comes and He lives in your midst and He even takes the penalty for your sins and your failure to love on Himself. He was slain. And by His blood, He ransomed people from every nation and tribe. Jesus is breaking open this mission of God that started way back when, but has been stifled, stifled by humanity, by a failure of humans to understand what it means to be in God's image, to live up to this high, dignified calling. And Jesus is elevating this woman's 
understanding and his disciples' understanding that even those who are outside of the marks, the, the demarcations of God's church, whether it was called the nation of Israel and Jewish at that time, or the church today, he says all these people are created with dignity in God's image. And though that image has been marred and lost and sin has entered in and broken off that relationship, it is not completely lost. And the message of the Gospel is bringing that message back to humanity that there is a special place for Syrophoenicians. For Africans. For the Chinese and the Russians. And the Syrians and the Iraqis. For the Mexicans and the Brazilians. And from the small tribes that we've never even heard their names. That the gospel isn't about cultural preferences and social clubs. The gospel is about God who made every, every person alive in every nation, bringing his message of salvation to all of those nations. And where many people in the Jewish line, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Judah, and even King David had failed. Now there was somebody else who was succeeding. And it was a descendant of Abraham. It was Jesus Himself. And Jesus was equipping these disciples and us to be missionaries to the nations. You say, I'm not called to be a missionary, nor am I called to be a pastor. Well, all of us are called to be servants in Christ's kingdom. The word minister simply means servant in the Greek. Some are called to vocational ministry in one form or another, but all of us, as one pastor who I knew in seminary said, are called to be ministers. All of us are called to bring this message of salvation to the nations. And in no period in history have the nations come to us ever before. The nations are here, and this is why we're working so hard to establish some international ministries to college students who are here for just a short time. why we continue to send people overseas to bring this message of salvation to the nations, many of whom never come to us. All of these things work together to accomplish God's purposes. Now I want to close with this one thought, and it's a fair critique. You may say, this sounds an awful lot like some spiritual form of trickle-down economics. Remember trickle-down economics? Second, or the first President Bush, I believe, coined the term. And somebody may have said it about him. Where we bless those who are at the top, and eventually the blessing flows down to other people. Is that really a fair form of God pouring out His blessings on people? Why doesn't He just bless everybody? 
And the answer, the answer is found going back to that sin that we read about with Adam and Eve. And it is easier to think of us deserving God's penalty because of our own sin rather than over Adam and Eve's sin. But there's a really important point that is developed over and over throughout the Bible. And that is that the sins of fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers have a trickle-down effect on their descendants. We don't like to think about it that way because it puts an awfully big burden on us to think about how we're raising our children. But the Bible goes out of its way to show how those who had faith at one time forgot to, or just rejected God's purposes and his plans and his instruction to pass it on to their children. Over and over. Over and over. You can't go back far enough and not include everyone in the world. And that point, failing to pass this on to their children. The Psalms say, entrust to the next generation these things that I've entrusted to you. It's an awesome responsibility. But don't you see that it's precisely because of your dignity having been created in the image of God that God could give you such an awesome responsibility as to teach others things about God. Children and those outside the kingdom. Yes, it's an awesome responsibility, but how much does that say about how great a thing God created when He made humanity, both male and female? And how much, how much greater is it that even when we've failed so many times to do those things that He's called us to, he says, come back and I'll give you a, a new job. I'll restore your spirit. I'll refresh you and you can pick up where you left off. You don't have to sit in the agony and the, the mire of all the mistakes you've made in the past. You can, you can take the next shot without thinking about all the past ones you missed. Jesus is giving his disciples this dignity back and he's giving all that dignity back to us as his children and disciples now. He's not bad-mouthing dogs any more than he's bad-mouthing this woman. He's reminding us the amazing thing that he created when he made human beings 
after God's image. And He's bearing patiently with His disciples, just like He does with us, as He teaches them and takes their wrong thinking and replaces it with God's thinking. Isn't that good news? Let's pray. Jesus, we are unworthy to pick up the scrolls. The scrolls that had the words of life and death. We are unworthy to pronounce judgment on others, to sit in the place of scoffers and judgment. Help us to sit in seats of empathy, to climb into holes and houses where people are hurting and suffering. Because you are worthy. And you have opened the scrolls. And you have written our names in a book that we didn't deserve to be in. Guard us from pride for having been written in those those books, those scrolls. And strengthen us for the awesome task of entrusting to the next generation and to the nations the amazing story of your redemption and salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.